Welcome. Welcome to you who are online. And you guys are here in person. Great to have you here. If you guys don't know me, I'm, I'm Juan. I'm one of the elders here in Church in the Square. I oversee uh, finance and mission. I say by night and by day, I work in finance and accounting. So pretty similar things, but uh, nonetheless, that's what I do. So I'm really excited to be with you all. I think uh, one thing I thought about before uh, sharing was I'm just extremely thankful to God for his faithfulness. And one thing I was like thinking about this week was uh, as we started children's ministry like three weeks ago, and we asked our, our members to reach out and to volunteer. And I think how many, how many members are volunteering now, Christina, like 90% or something like that, something ridiculous. And, and I just wanted to thank all of you for being number one, for being obedient to God's calling and more importantly to Jesus just for his faithfulness. We just kind of see it over and over where we bring stuff to the Lord, and he just is so faithful to answer our prayers. So really excited about that. And what was really cool, too, is when we inaugurated the, the children's ministry, I, I was uh, lucky enough, blessed enough to teach that first week. And uh, it was really cool to get to know a lot of your kids. Uh, they're interesting. They're, they're really funny. They're, they're, they're good kids. Uh, one of the things that was funny is how we, we were te- teaching about the creation story, and we had them, like I shared, I shared the story, and then I asked them to come up and to draw, like, what was their favorite part of the creation story? So we put up a whiteboard, and we asked them to draw stuff. And some of them were doing, you remember this one, they were doing, like, dolphins and whales and trees. And I was like, wow, this is really impressive. But after a few rounds, they were getting really creative, and there was, like, just some abstract images up there. And I was like, man, we, we really have a bunch of uh, creative kids at Church in the Square, so I'm excited about that. Um, uh, with that, um, let me go ahead and pray uh, so we can get started, yeah? Father, Lord, I, um, I'm just so thankful that you're good. Uh, Father, thankful that, thankful that you, are, you are present, Lord, that you're here uh, with us this morning. God, I confess, even as I'm up here, God, I do not feel, uh, in my flesh, I don't feel like I'm equipped in my flesh I think I'm just an accountant. What am I doing up here? Um, Lord, but I know that this is the, the calling that we've been called as elders, Lord, and I want to be faithful to the calling that you said for us. Lord, I want to be humble. I want to come under your word, Lord, and be able to share what I've learned uh, from your word today with my brothers and sisters and impart uh, your knowledge. God, I'm so thankful that it's your word that is living and active, Lord, it's not my responsibility to change anyone's heart this morning. It's yours through the living Holy Spirit that is able to soften hearts, that is able to change minds, that is able to lead us to confession, to conviction, Lord. So I just pray that for my brothers and sisters. God, will you be, will you be glorified this morning? Father, I also acknowledge, Lord, that we all come to this place. With just a, we, We've had a different kind of week. Some of us have had an amazing week. Um, new jobs, new opportunities, uh, just great time of relationship with you. And others come here uh, hurting, uh, in, in need of you, God, just broken. Um, God, I'm also thankful that your word is able to encourage us, the ones that need to be encouraged, and it's also able to convict us that need to be convicted and care for us. I'm just thankful for how dynamic it is in our lives. 
So Lord, we pray that as we uh, go through this message, God, will you be exalted in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we've been going through the book of Romans. Uh, we've actually been in the chapter 8 of Romans the last couple of weeks. And um, Jason covered the first half of Romans 8. And really, one of the introductions that he talked about was the fact that there's kind of four central themes of life that's anchored in the union with Christ, right? So we, we see this doctrine being repeated in Romans where we hear the word in Christ. And so there's four things that are clear to us as followers of Jesus. So number one is that in Christ, you and I get to live without shame, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Last week, we talked about the fact that in Christ, uh, we live with peace. Today, we're going to talk about that in Christ, we li live a life of belonging. And then next week, we're going to be talking about how in Christ, uh, we are sons and daughters. Um, I'm one of those guys that likes to take notes, so I'm going to tell you on the front end what exactly I'm going to talk about, and then we're going to dive right in. So, like I said, we're going to talk about belonging in Christ today, and we're going to look at three things that the Spirit does. We're going to see that the, the Spirit, He seals our belonging, number one. The Spirit empowers righteousness. And then number three, the Spirit leads to life. And as I evaluate those, I'm going to be digging into Scripture a little bit further. I'll also be, because um, this is how I learn, I'll be sharing some of my experiences this past week as I've been digging into that. And then as a, as a brother in Christ, as a friend, I'm going to be trying to admonish you and encourage you along the way as we go through those passages. Uh, sound good? All right, so let's jump right in. So it says here in... Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 11, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So in our passage today, Paul is going to be explaining three actions that the spirit makes in, in the life of a believer. Uh, when we see like the word spirit capitalized here, it's, you know, big S. Uh, that's referring to the third member of the Trinity, to the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's really interesting, like if you jump one verse before that in verse 8, it says, Paul goes, he says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And then he, he pivots and he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not uh, belong to him. So he goes from this general sense to a you sense really directed at us. And, and one thing that we need to learn about this is first that the, the, the Scripture points to the fact of the Trinity, right? It, it, it leads us to speak of God being triune. And, and to be clear uh, about the Trinity, really it's, uh, number one, it's a beautiful mystery that hasn't been 
I don't think on this side of earth we won't fully understand it, but I think there's really three key principles about uh, the Trinity of God for us to know. One is that God is three persons. He's Father, He's Son, and He's Holy Spirit. Number two is that each, each of those persons is actually fully God. And then number three is there's still only uh, one God. Uh, in, this, in this particular passage, Paul is really integrating the work of the Spirit with the work with God and the work of the Father. So we see this all playing out, which is really beautiful. And we, we also see the, the verb have in the latter part of that passage. Um, and it speaks to that continuity of the Lord at work. And one of the really clear things that I saw in this passage, right, is it says, if you like the Spirit, if you and I like the Spirit, we are not believers. We simply, we do, we do not uh, belong uh, to, to Christ. So the, I think the logical next thing to think about is the word belonging, right? Let's talk about it for a little bit. So I think it's, a, it's an innate feeling that we all have, the sense of we all want to belong I know that it's a deep desire that I have, and I'm, I'm guessing it's a deep desire that we all have. Um, we all have stories growing up where you get your first sense, your first time that you remember what it feels like to belong. I remember when I was like a, a, little, a little kid in El Paso, a little chubby kid trying to play in the playground with some of the friends, trying to get selected, right? Trying to make like, no matter if it was basketball, baseball, soccer, you wanted to be picked because you wanted to feel like you you belong, like you're a part of something. I also remember the first time that I got the sense of not belonging, right? Uh, I remember I was in middle school and we had to do, we were in a, I was in an AP science class and we had to do a science fair, a science fair project. And the teacher asked us to go and um, have our parents help us out. And, you know, our submission had to be in a computer. I, I didn't have a computer and my parents didn't speak English. So I felt like at that point, it was the first time that I realized, I'm like, hey, I don't feel like I belong here. Like, this, this feels weird. I feel, I feel out of place. Um, so that desire of belonging is, is really something central to us. So one thing that I wanted to ask myself and think through it in Scripture is, you know, what, what does the Scripture say about us belonging to Christ and what does it really mean? And really kind of going back to the concept of the Trinity, we're always reminded that we belong to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So I got this really uh, great list from the Co Gospel Coalition I'm going to read to you on where uh, we see belonging in the Bible. We see that little children belong to Jesus and his kingdom in Matthew 19. It says those who serve the poor and the marginalized in Jesus' name, belong to him. That's in Mark 9. It says the church is a bride that belongs to Jesus. The bridegroom, that's John 3. We see that whoever belongs to God hears and obeys his voice. That's John 8. Uh, all those who belong to the Son also belong to the Father. That's John 16. Uh, we learned in Romans 1 that both Jews and Gentiles belong to God. Uh, Christ died so that we might no longer belong to ourselves, but belong to Christ and bear fruit. That's Romans 7. Uh, without the Holy Spirit, as I just read, no one belongs to God. That's Romans 8, 9. Whether you and I live or whether we die, Romans 14 says we still belong to God. And lastly, when Christ returns, 
All who belong to him will be resurrected. That's 1 Corinthians 15. So really, all these statements are, are pretty impactful. It's incredible, right? It's like, uh, it's, it, it's, as I was thinking through them, it's like there's all these truths about our belonging. And why is it important that we belong to God? Because really what we've seen with Paul is we've seen this dichotomy that either you belong to God or you don't. You either are or you're not. You're either, you're either a slave to the Spirit, to the Lord, or you're a slave to the flesh, to the sin. And it's the same here. We, we either belong to, to Jesus or we belong to the world. If you guys could turn with me to John uh, chapter 15, uh, 19, because I like to support things with the Bible. It's important. So... So in, in, chapter, in John chapter 15, verse 19, it says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So it's pretty evident here that Jesus makes that distinction, being of the world or being of Christ. And this is where I really um, get into my interpretation, how, what the, how this really hits me in, in my life, right? I think there's two really things that were bubbling up in my heart, my spirit this week I want to share with you guys that, that really give me doubt about belonging to Christ and either have me longing or feeling like I belong to the world. And I think one of the obvious ones that came up uh, for me this week is just this, the, this aspect we talked about in the first uh, a week uh, in the series of Romans is this concept of shame. There is a part of me that says, how, how is God going to love someone who's been a believer in following him, yet I still have lustful desires in my heart with my eyes? Or how about someone who constantly, I feel like I'm, every time I feel more selfless, I realize how selfish and how self-centered I am, how often I think about myself. And even like practically, I'm like, for a guy who works in finances and like came up pretty poor in life, you could argue, yeah, poor family, and now I'm like the most financially stable I've ever been, and yet I still worry about money more than I ever have. How does that make any sense? So I think I, all those things created me this, this shame because I, I, I really want to hide from the Lord. Somehow I felt like he doesn't know me, but I know that he does. But it, it, it's something that, that really happens. Instead of confessing my need for him, I quickly hide behind these things. And I think the other thing is that kind of draws me to belonging to the world. It's, it's something that Jason mentioned frequently, and I can relate to. It's just a sense of autonomy and freedom. Like, I can't even put a finger on it, but it's the, the sense of me being free to choose what and who I belong to. Uh, how I can belong to certain things in the world, and um, thinking that if I have that freedom to belong to something, I can just move on to something else. You know, I think they called it like the swipe right culture or something like that, where you just pick something up, you let it go. You pick something else up, you let it go. Uh, if you're familiar with that app, that's what I think it's referring to. But, yeah, I know, right? I'm not. I've been married six years. I'm not familiar with that. Just to let you know. I mean, I know of it, but no, it's just saying, being, being clear here. Um, I think, you know, the, the crazy thing about this whole, like, 
thinking of freedom and what you can do, what you can't do, what you want to belong to, is ultimately results in loneliness. We, we move from one thing to the next and really never having a sense of belonging to anyone or anything. Uh, and really, when we do find belonging, if it's not in Christ, what's going to happen is it, it inevitably will become our idol. And it's going to lead to our own destruction. I mean, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 1 and verse 24. He says, God gives us up in the lust of our hearts. Ultimately, chapter 2 Romans talks about that resulting in the judgment of God rightly falling on us. You see, when you and I are secure and belonging in Christ, we grow in our love for who we are in Him. Uh, the Spirit reminds us of our standing in the Lord, and I think you mentioned this, Jeffrey, earlier. It's a, it's a reminder that we're children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. And if we're heirs of God, we're fellow heirs with Christ. So all that shameful stuff that keeps us hidden uh, can begin to fall away. And then you and I are able to see that Jesus loves us, that we're really fully known and fully loved, like our friend Andy Crutch uh, would say. Um, this whole concept of being, um, being known but not being loved is just really being rejected. And then being loved but not being known is fitting in. I also call that assimilation at times. And then being neither loved or known is just being entirely rejected. But in Christ, you know, you and I are known and we're loved. And I think that's a, that's a great reminder. And one of the things as I thought about sharing this with you guys is, really this is one of my questions, my admonitions for you, is that what is it today that's preventing you from believing that you belong to Christ? What is it that we need to confess to Him that's stopping us from doing that? Do you belong to Christ? And if not, we're called to believe. Jesus told the Pharisees that you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My, hear, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. It's from John 26. So, as I said, the, the, so the first part of this passage is the Spirit seal, seals are our belonging. The second piece is really the, the Spirit empowers righteousness. So let's look back to our central passage. Let's go to Romans 8, uh, 10. It's funny, I flip up here real time. I have it in my notes, but I, this tells me how long it takes you guys to find it. But you guys really have apps, so you probably get it a lot quicker anyways. But anyways, Romans 8, verse 10 says, But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So as a result of Christ's indwelling presence, your body is dead. Or it says you're subject to death is what it's referencing because of sin. However, our spirit is alive because of righteousness. And it's specifically this righteousness is God's imputed righteousness and you know, when we think of what does that really mean, because I had to look it up and remind myself, is when we say that, you know, the easiest way that I found the definition, when we say that God imputes Christ's righteousness to us, it means that he thinks of us 
by looking at his own righteousness as belonging to us or regard, regards it as belonging to us in principle. So for example, we, we saw that uh, when we looked at uh, Paul in Romans chapter 4, verse 15, when he was referencing Genesis 15 and Abraham, right? It says, Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Uh, so Paul is saying that the Spirit is life because the Spirit empowers righteousness or being right in the eyes of God, in you know, including his character, his conduct, his conscience, and his command. So, so what we're learning here is that the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us this empowerment. And so with that being said, what I thought about is how does it, you know, the Holy Spirit's power look like in Christ? And how does that power look like um, in, the, in the world? So we're going to dive into some examples of how the Holy Spirit worked in Christ and what that looked like, the power of Him in Christ. So first, uh, let's consider that. So in Luke chapter 4, we see that Jesus, when He entered His temptation to be tempted in the wilderness, it, it, it says that He was full of the Holy Spirit. We also see that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he says, Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you guys could turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 4, verse 18 through 19. You can also see another example is. So it says. The Spirit of the Lord, this is Jesus speaking, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set, excuse me, liberty, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So we see in these three examples that the Son and this work of the Trinity, we see the Son's dependence on the Holy Spirit for power. So even Jesus in His physical weakness uh, is able to draw from the, from the Holy Spirit to give Him strength. And this really, this really leads us to what we talked about last week. It's this whole concept of God's upside-down kingdom, right? It's that in, in God's kingdom, those who come with Him in weakness are the ones that actually find strength. And we don't just see this with Jesus in the New Testament. We see it in the believers as they're living this out, but we also see these references in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 40, 29, it says, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases their strength. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So let's compare that aspect of power to the power that I think we, we hear about or we live out in the world. And really there's, really, there's a multitude of ways to look at what power in the world may look like. One particular one that convicted me was um, this illusion in this world of how much control we have uh, over our lives. Um, even like in Christian circles, you, you know, we have a misconception of, about God. We have this 
we like create our own gods that tell us uh, that we're masters of our fate. And I think uh, Tim Keller does a good job in Counterfeit Gods addressing that. He says, you know, we, we say though God exists and created the world, He does not need to be particularly involved in life except when there's a problem. And that's kind of like the deist perspective. This view of God makes you literally a master of your fate and a captain of your soul. So it says that salvation and happiness is all up to you. And it's interesting because it feels like people at the top are really eager to grasp onto this because they want to attribute their position to their own intellect, their own savviness, and to their hard work. And this, this past week I was very convicted by this um, particular piece of the passage. Uh, to be honest, my wife and I had a brutal week <laughs> this week. Um, I always think it's funny, I believe in spiritual warfare, and we just had a whole bunch of things that, that came up that were just not, not anticipated. And I, and I thought to myself, man, this is like one of the worst weeks for me to be sharing in front of you. But I also know that's one of the best weeks for me to be sharing in front of you. <laughs> Right, because God's at work in that. And um, I'll share a couple of things, a couple of those. Number one is I think with work, I, I've always been in good standing in my company, and we've been seeing some changes at the top. And really, I've been feeling and senses, sensing this, um, this doubt in my ability to lead or my, my abilities in general. And I'm not even sure if that's true or not, but that's what I feel. And um, it's given me really a lot of anxiety this week, this, this feeling that I need to somehow prove myself again. And if, if I'm honest with you, in my flesh, I think, yeah, I'm going to prove myself again. Of course I can do it. And, or in my flesh, I also think, you know what? I'm done with you. I'm leaving. Um, but I think God's been revealing me that this anxiety is just a way of me thinking that somehow I'm the one that has control over my job when I really don't. I don't have control over that. That's, that's, not, that's not true. Kind of going back to this concept of, of how much control we think we have over things. I think the other one is, you know, Lindsay and I, uh, Lindsay's my wife, uh, we've, we've been going through, many of you guys know this, the, the adoption process. And um, it's something that's been really on our minds the past years. We've been kind of applying to be um, matched and selected uh, with a family. And I think this last week really hit us hard. It's, it's this constant battle of submitting your profile and um, really feeling like you're up to be chosen and not getting chosen on that team. I think it reminded me of that, like what it feels like to not be chosen. Um, and it's also frustrating because I don't have control over the timing at all. And we don't have control over that. Um, and sometimes really I feel a sense of guilt of whether, uh, Lord, am I doing your will? Or is this something that's just that we thought of and it was contrived? And so I think, I think in that what God's revealing to me is that no matter if I come with my anxiety, my frustration, or my disappointment, I just need to bring that to the Lord and not, not hide behind that. 
So as I think about these things, I want to encourage you as believers and admonish you. You know, when you do need strength, when you do feel weak, what is it? Where is it that you go? And I, I encourage you with, with these words from Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Uh, it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Let's go to the third uh, movement. That's uh, spirit. The spirit leads to life. So let's go back to Romans 8, uh, 11. It says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also live, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So since God raised you from the dead, again, literally out from the dead ones, he promises his um, believers in whom the Spirit is living that he'll also give life to their mortal bodies through the Spirit. So, in, in other words, what God is promising is uh, resurrection life now for each of us here and also a physical resurrection in, in the future for our mortal body. So someday, you know, what, the, what, the, what this promise is pretty much saying is that someday our bodies will be totally renewed and that we're going to be eternally alive by the Spirit. So there's no dualism. There's no like this body goes bad, its spirit is good. It really is that one day our bodies, our spirits will be perfected. Um, in Romans 8.6, as we uh, mentioned earlier, it's, it talks about setting the mind on the flesh as death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is, is life and peace. So for now, there's still a a sinful nature that's hostile to us growing our spiritual life. Uh, the more that you and I put to death our spiritual nature, the more that we will enjoy this life in the Holy Spirit that He's able to, to give. Um, when Christ returns, we're, we're gonna, the same Holy Spirit is going to complete that life-giving work by giving this new resurrection to our mortal bodies. And so... Let's talk a little bit about life in Christ, right? And we, again, we, we chatted about this last week. With that, we see that life in Christ is, is really centered around Him. Uh, the real life that you and I are seeking is promised by the Holy Spirit, uh, that we have died to sin, and the Spirit lives in us, and we've been given life by the Spirit. Uh, so we've been resurrected through the Spirit Himself. You compare that to uh, spiritual death, which is really life without God. That's life according to the flesh. Let, let's not like beat around this. Really, life in the flesh is fleeting. Um, we don't have power, no matter how hard we try to overcome sin and death. But resurrection welcomes us to a new life that is with God, and that's life according to the Spirit.
Uh, what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, you, you and me, we choose to love, we choose to obey, we choose to trust things that promise life. That's something we all seek. Um, we all live for something. And so something has to capture that attention, that imagination, that excitement, something that will give us allegiance and hope, something that we can hang on to. Well, pretty much the Bible tells us that without the intervention of the Holy Spirit, um, the object's never going to be God himself. And so what, what are these three kind of components of the whole passage? Like, let's, let's kind of step back and think of what this passage is really trying to tell us holistically, right? So, so this is what it's telling us. It's saying when you and I are in sin, we will not have belonging. When you and I are in sin, we don't have righteousness. When you and I are in sin, we just don't have life. We don't. Um, and by the way, God is just to withhold those things from us. We, we, we talked about that in Romans 1 and 2. It's a, it's a decision that we made, and God being a just God um, has this consequence. So as an unbeliever, that's, that's right. But when you and I are in Christ, He's gracious and loving to welcome us. He imputes His righteousness, and God gives us life. And I think for me, that's that kind of false narrative I was talking about with work. Somehow, it's the things that we, we, we don't have those things prioritized, right? We don't allow God to reign over that. And when it doesn't, I use work as something to find life and end up finding destruction. It's just straight up idolatry. Uh, and so my question, my thought for you in this third point is, are you um, searching for life outside of Christ? What is it? What is it that you're searching for? That you're trying to find meaning that's that's outside of Christ. So to end with you guys this morning, we see that the Holy Spirit He seals our belonging. The Holy Spirit empowers righteousness, and the Holy Spirit leads to real life. One thing that I think about is, what if we really believed all these things? What if we did become a people? a community who really lived like the Spirit of God lived in us. And He gave us belonging, that He's given us righteousness, and He's given us life. What if we really believe that the one who rose from the dead, Jesus, actually lived inside of us? And like I mentioned at the beginning, regardless of your story of belonging now or as a kid, in Christ you and I can find uh, belonging forever because of His righteousness and because of His life. And this belonging is one as a reminder that where you're really fully known and you're uh, fully loved. So with that, let us pray. Father, I thank you for your words um, this morning. Um, thank you, Father, that in you we find uh, true belonging. Lord, not one from the world that's fleeting or one that is here today and gone the next, but we find a permanent sense of belonging. We find our security in Jesus, not because of what we've done, 
but because of who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, thank you that the Holy Spirit gives us, empowers that righteousness, that right standing with God. And thank you, Lord, that you don't withhold back that in Christ we find real life, real life for our bodies, for our day to day, but also real life in eternity with you. Um, and God, like I shared, like I prayed for earlier, Father, there's anything, God, that has kept us from believing that as your sons and daughters, God, will you just uh, reveal that to us right now? God, I pray that we're able to, to lift that up to you and to believe and know that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, God. I also pray, Lord, for any of us who might feel like we don't belong to you because we've, we've never confessed to you, Lord. Um, I pray for those friends that haven't, Lord, that they will be eager to confess that Jesus is Lord and that they need you in their lives. That they don't want to be the kings of their own castle anymore. They want to surrender a life to Jesus and live a, a real life in you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.